welcome to My Career in Data, a podcast where we discuss with industry leaders and experts how they have built their careers. I'm your host, Shannon Kemp, and today we're talking to Dave Wilkinson from D3 Clarity. With a robust catalog of courses offered on demand and industry-leading live online sessions throughout the year, the Dataversity Training Center is your launchpad for career success. Browse the complete catalog at training.dataversity.net and use code DVTALKS for 20% off your purchase. Hello and welcome. My name is Shannon Kemp and I'm the Chief Digital Officer at Dataversity and this is My Career in Data, a Dataversity Talks podcast dedicated to learning from those who have careers in data management, to understand how they got there and to be talking with people who help make those careers a little bit easier. To keep up to date in the latest in data management education, go to dataversity.net forward slash subscribe. Today, we are joined by Dave Wilkinson. CTO at D3 Clarity. And normally this is where a podcast host would read a short bio of the guest, but in this podcast, your bio is what we're here to talk about. Dave, hello and welcome. Hi, Shannon, and thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. I'm so excited. I've had such a good time in this last year getting to know you and your team. They're just amazing at D3 Clarity. So, so tell me, you're the Chief Technical Officer at D3 Clarity. So tell me, what is D3 Clarity and what's the company do? So D3 Clarity is a, we're a small uh, data-focused consulting organization. But let me, let me explain the name a little bit, start there, right? So D3 Clarity, the three Ds are actually data, digital, and decisions, right? So it's clarity in your data, in your decision-making, uh, and in your digital world. So what we've focused on is exactly that, how to drive your data maturity, drive clarity in your data, use that to drive much clearer decisions through your business uh, in the digital landscape, right? So digital transformation is driving a lot of this. So that's where the D3 clarity comes from. And that's what we're focused on. A lot of us are industry, been around the industry for a while, right? We had 20, 25 years across the industry. And so we started the organization to focus uniquely on that and driving that perspective for our clients to drive how to make data into a really strategic asset and drive that decision clarity. Oh, I love that so much because that's what data is all about, right? Right, exactly, exactly, mm -hmm. very much so. So then what is it you do for a D3 Clarity? So you're the chief technical officer, you're CTO. So what does your typical work week look like? So, um, my work week is, is a little odd, as you'd expect, right? So I founded D3 Clarity with uh, Preston Gregg, as you've met uh, uh, some years ago. My role is really uh, working with our clients and working with our team to make sure we're bringing the best expertise and the best knowledge to bear in that organization to drive that, that basis. So I act as a, for a lot of our clients, I act as a, some, some, sometimes a CDO for hire, a chief data officer, Sometimes I act as a data architect or um, enterprise architect. And then I also drive that into implementations focused on MBM or data governance or other areas. So I work closely with our clients in almost every one of our client engagements. And then um, I also work with leading our team and helping our, and helping our team work through all the skills necessary to bring that together. And we've got a very strong team across the world. So it's 
it's it's it's a hugely challenging but exciting and fun job, especially when you drill into a number of these clients' uh, problems as they look at their data and look at their data landscape. Ah, oh, very nice. Yeah, problem solving and getting to that solution and that aha moment, right? It's so much fun. Right, exactly. That's exactly what it's all about is getting and teaching. I had to spend a lot of time just teaching and leading people through what, do, what does data mean and what does it mean to drive this kind of viewpoint in data? Because it hasn't always had the focus of a lot of uh, people in the industry. Mm, well, I'm going to get to that question in a minute here. But before we do, I want to back it up a little bit here. And so, Dave, tell me when you were, you know, say six years old, you know, what was this the dream? Am I going to be a, a CTO of a, a consulting company, you know, or what was the dream? What was the dream when you were six? So the short answer is absolutely no. <laughs> no, this is not what I want to do. Right. So, so um, when I was six, if you use that, when I was six, I loved to play with Tonka toys. Ah, oh, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so trucks and yeah, diggers and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. so that's that's what I wanted to do, and actually, that's what I then did. So, I went and played out of in college. I went and did a civil engineering degree and played with big Tonka toys. Oh, I love it. Right. So I dug big holes and built things and used cranes and all sorts of things and worked on nuclear power stations and shopping centers and all kinds of big construction projects uh, with focus on reinforced concrete and other things. So I dug holes. Oh, that I is also, so cool. Yeah. I was also a surveyor. So uh -huh. part of engineering is a lot of math, a lot of surveying. So I did quite a lot of surveying. Um, and that's how I drifted into computing and computer science and data because surveying is all data oh so was it part of your um education or did you learn that on your own as you worked through the jobs a bit of both so in high school yeah. i did a, yeah i graduated high school in 85 did a little bit of early programming in high school i had mm -hmm. to do a lot of math some programming in in college um but then you know as i worked through my job i took a I took a little sojourn into the army for a while and then came back to engineering playing with other big toys. So I played with military big toys and then with other construction big toys. Um, and then I got into programming heavily when I was actually doing a high rise survey of a set block of flats, blocks of flats at high rise. Um, and this was in the, early days of sort of laser surveying. So I had to write my own software to do it, my own math to do it. So I found myself sitting in a hotel room with 3000 survey points saying, I am not going to do this math by hand. And went oh, and bought, yeah. I went, to, went up the street and bought a very, very early PC, a C compiler and a book and solved that problem. And then shortly thereafter, after I realized I could earn more writing code than I could digging holes so i went to write, write code for a while oh that's fascinating i love that yeah. my grandfather worked for heister so that's uh yeah. uh you know yeah that's that's amazing i love that um that you facilitated that dream is so cool so okay so let's yeah. talk about that so after so you're learning code right so then uh so then what was the next job how did you transition out of um digging holes and engineering into uh, to what was next. Right. So I got a job. So uh, actually, there was a sort of a recession in the construction industry in the UK uh, mm -hmm. at the time. Um, this was early 90s. 
And so I got a job writing C code uh, randomly for a small company. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually that was, that started me off. So I started writing uh, products and this was network protocols, X25, X28, uh, the base of EDI and electronic data transfer, et cetera, uh, between businesses, wrote some code for National Health Service, for the likes of B&Q, et cetera, to do their ordering and management online and got into the sort of, that's got got me into data, into the data modeling of business transactions and the way data describes business transactions and that kind of thing. So it was a little bit of business acumen coming from my engineering, a little bit of engineering math coming from that background and then the code kind of took over but I've always yeah. retained that business view of what is the code doing for me type viewpoint and what is the data doing for me that's very interesting um, so yeah Go so ahead. I worked for them for a while but when we sold that organization to or that product was sold to Sterling Commerce or Sterling Software at the time if you know Sterling Software to Columbus Ohio and Dallas, um, and that became one of their flagship products for their Gentran product line. Uh, and I came over to the US in about 93, 94 to uh, become the chief architect of that on that product, on that cycle. Uh, and then worked my way up through, through Sterling, um, left Sterling when we sold Sterling to AT&T back in, Oh, I can't remember now, 99, 2000, mm-hmm. uh, where I took a, a number of routes. Uh, well, I took a note through the dot-com, bu- dot-com bubble. I ended up at Vignette, where I was the chief technology officer at Vignette by the time I left. So I ran engineering and then was the chief technology officer for Vignette, um, where we did really exciting things. We did things like we did Athens2004.com, the Olympic Games which was all data. So that was the data model for the Olympic Games behind to get all the results out to the web as fast as possible. Sure. Um, and then I did, we did things like the content model for Walt Disney World to, drop, mm-hmm. to build a content structure. And if you know Disney, Disney are incredibly particular about their branding and about their uh, trademarks, et cetera. So every sentence, every menu item, across the entire park is managed, controlled, modeled content, right? Mm -hmm. So we built that data model across Disney World um, and a number of other things in the content management sort of space. So that, that again, was a lot of data. So I've been in sort of data, data integration, data movement, data describing business for a long time. Um, I left there and went to... Hyperion um, to to run their data integration uh, area for S-Base and for the Hyperion tools. So the collecting data for business intelligence, for BI, et cetera. So again, data. Um, I was recruited out of there to go to, uh, and this is where I get into more data governance and more what we're doing now, which is, uh, if you've heard of them, Initiate Systems is one of the early CDI customer data integration products, MDM products. Uh, so we helped define the MDM space with Gartner from Initiate Systems coming out of healthcare and patient records and that sort of thing, um, as well as intelligence and other areas to describe 
customer data integration, and then MDM. Initiate Systems was acquired by IBM in what, 2010, 2011. Um, and I worked for IBM for a number of years. And in IBM, I ran the MDM and data integration uh, development structure for, so that was all of the MDM products that they bought, which was about five of them at the time, plus uh, data stage, quality stage, all the data quality MDM products and integration products within that IBM Infosphere portfolio. Um, and it was there that we decided that realistically, um, just to be a little disparaging for a minute, is I had a falling out with IBM to a certain extent, which is, to me, I've always looked at this is that all the vendors at that time were talking about big data and analytics and put all your data in one place and magic will happen. And I just don't believe that. I just, I just don't believe that is the case. You have to come into this world with a purpose. You have to co come to the data with a purpose and go look and test the hypotheses and work it through. And so I, I did, you know, started to, we coined the term the data swamp at that time within IBM um, and having data lake. So how to vent your data lake turning into a data swamp. It's now common type link uh, language, but that, this was way back. So, um, and we worked, so working through that, I realized that IBM was still trying to get all the data into one place, whether it's your Hadoop structure or your database or your data warehouse or whatever. And what I really wanted was looking at the clients and most of the clients had already bought so many of these tools, there is no silver bullet. And what the clients really needed was some governance, some understanding, some uh, counseling, um, some work through how does your data actually describe your business? How does your data, how does your data ecosystem work? How does your data describe the business that you're in? Does it truly describe the business you're in, right? Uh, because you can't just put all this stuff in one place and expect magic to happen. You have to know what it's describing first and then work through it from that perspective. So that's where D3 Clarity came from. And we decided to leave IBM, go out on our own and have a run at, at making it, doing something different. Cool. You're a problem solver for sure, right? <laughs> I like to think so. Like to think yeah. so. yeah, very much so. Um, so what's been your biggest lesson then so far in your career? Something that you kind of use almost daily. So the biggest lesson, and this is something I've heard, you know, um, multiple times, is I came at this from an engineering and a technical viewpoint, right? Mm -hmm. That's my background. That's that's where I've, where I've been. Um, what I've learned more and more is the news all the time. This is not necessarily about engineering and technology. This is more about um, people, behaviors, and the way the way I look at data now is I look at data as simply evidence of behavior, mm -hmm. right? So every piece of business data is actually created by somebody doing something and the data is simply evidence of that behavior. So if you look at it that way and you apply sort of Six Sigma and other disciplines to it, you start to say, well, data is simply the analogous, an, an analogous to, beha to behavior. If my data is bad, then is the behavior bad? So what, what produces this 
structure and therefore how do you do data governance without doing corporate governance? So the amount of change that we lead into, the amount of management change and the amount of personal type of change and rethinking we go through, I think is probably the biggest lesson that I've learned that I, I apply almost every day when I'm talking to people, which, which is, which is there is no, I also believe there's no such thing as bad data, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody says bad data. There's no such thing as bad, bad, bad data. data. Data is simply the factual evidence of behavior. So the data can't be bad. It's the behavior that's bad, mm -hmm. right? Because the data yeah. describes the data describes the behavior. Yeah. So what made the data bad? If you think that the data is simply a way of measuring it, if that makes sense, it does. Yeah. More and more companies are considering investing in data literacy education, but still have questions about its value, purpose, and how to get the ball rolling. Introducing the newest monthly webinar series from Dataversity, Elevating Enterprise Data Literacy, where we discuss the landscape of data literacy and answer your burning questions. Learn more about this new series and register for free at dataversity.net. So then let's get into that. You know, what is your definition of data? So my definition of data is simply that, which is data is the electronic or the factual evidence of something occurring right of, a, of an event occurring of the behavior if you if you sign up a new customer the data describes that customer the data has to be good enough such that you can transact with that customer but you don't have a customer signed up unless the data is good enough to transact with that customer otherwise it isn't done right so i look at it and, and, and start to say that data in this context is the evidence of behavior and it's simply a fact. The data is simply a fact. It can be a low quality fact. It can be a high quality fact. But the data is simply the evidence of that fact. Right. And that's true, whether it's a survey point, whether it's the tree is on this ground, whether the weather is sunny, whether it doesn't matter what it is, the data that declares that fact, the data is simply the evidence that that fact exists. Does that Very make sense? Nice. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and then you can get into the inference and everything else, right? If you start to say, well, if I've got these facts that are, by the way, all historical by definition, yeah. right? All yeah. these facts are historical by definition. If I've got these facts that are historical by definition, then how do I interpolate those facts or extrapolate those facts to give me a prediction to the future? And now you're getting into, in my opinion, you're getting into data science and the the true science of data science, where you're saying, okay, I'm taking this historical list of facts and extrapolating into something, an interesting prediction. Oh, very nice. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, makes complete sense. And so tell me, Dave, too, you know, as a CTO, you know, how are you using data for your job? Not just for your customers, but how are you using data? How do you work with it? So, how do I work? I work very I, <laughs> not as much as not as much as I should is the answer. I it's kind of kind of I use data a lot within my um, for my customers. I try to use data in our business um, somewhat, but to a certain extent, we're still a small organization. We do a lot by reactive and gut yep. feel, but we do look at. 
we do look at sort of trends, historical trends. We try to predict where things are going, but I wouldn't say it's as scientific as I would like to think it might be. <laughs> it is the challenge. You know, we face that ourselves. We are always laughing about, you know, how we need to, you know, uh, practice what you preach. It's so hard. It's so hard for any company of any size, right? Right. It's, and it's, it's often the cobbler's children. And everybody will tell you I'm the, I'm the worst violator for entering good data into our time management systems and everything else although i'll i'll expose it tremendously I, i'm also one of the cobbler's children right i don't necessarily do do it as much as i should <laughs> i understand so do you tell me um especially you know having worked with data for a while you know do you see the importance of data management and the number of jobs working with data increasing or decreasing over the next 10 years and why I absolutely see it increasing um, in the next short while. I think data is data is here to stay. Data is prolific. We we do use data all the time, even though we don't realize it. Right? We do a tremendous amount of data. Everything we interact with now is predicting a sale, or predicting a this, or predicting everything else. We as individuals are getting far less tolerant of people having bad data about us right if i if i go and return a product at a store or whatever i expect them to know when i bought it i don't expect to have to bring the receipt anymore I expect them to just have it and be able to find it as soon as i give them my name mm -hmm. right so we expect data everywhere um but that but that the world hasn't necessarily got to where what we expect yet so there's a lot of bad data bad data management a lot of systems were put in place focused on the system, not on the data, data ecosystem, data world that these systems live in. So there's a lot of disconnects across data. So fixing all that is going to take a long time, especially for some of the big legacy companies, their legacy industries, et cetera. That, that's not going to happen overnight. And that's going to take a while. And so there's, I think there's going to be jobs created in data to do that quite significantly. Certainly understanding the data, um, helping people understand how does the data actually describe their business, mm -hmm. right? Because one of the things we get into quite a lot is the fact that, you know, what we always say is that the data tells you exactly what you did. It doesn't tell you what you think you did. It doesn't tell you what you think you might've done. And it doesn't tell you what you think you should have done. It tells you exactly what you did. And often those, points of view don't line up so, i love that distinction yeah so i do think the there's going to be jobs created in data but i also think it's going to be relatively short-lived because i think it's going to be one of these disciplines where it eventually merges into every other discipline you can't have an engineer without without knowing some amount of coding anymore right you can't have an accountant that doesn't know excel mm -hmm. right i would i would postulate you can't have a sales manager in 10 15 years from now that doesn't know how to predict a customer base yeah and so i would i would suggest that the there are jobs being created in data but there's also going to be a tremendous wave in data influencing the jobs that are influenced by data, so to speak, which is going to be every single job on the planet. 
Uh, yeah, indeed. Well, it sounds like, you know, the jobs that you're talking about are like data architects, data modelers, data governance, uh, uh, personnel. Yeah, absolutely. I think the data architecture is going to see a, a wave of increase because I think if, um, so just talking about architecture for a minute, right, the the data architecture is one of the, they've been one of the, in my opinion, been one of the uh, least uh, paid attention to aspects mm -hmm. of architecture. So mm -hmm. we see often network architectures, security architecture, uh, architects, systems architects, uh, applications mm -hmm. architects, right? And a lot of enterprise architects came from one of those backgrounds. But if you start to layer into a modern environment, I have to layer in a data architect that is outside of the individual systems across the top of the entire network, playing in the security frameworks, right? And really starting to look at the data ecosystem that we live in, because you know any one data item is only managed by a system for a small subset of its lifespan, right? A customer, a customer is in ERP and it was a prospect in CRM, it's the same customer and it's changing the focus, right? Yeah. But what is the total landscape from an, from, an architect, from a data perspective? And that's an area that hasn't been completely focused on. Makes complete sense. So then what, what advice would you give to people looking to get into a career in data management in any of those areas? I, so, so my advice is um, really it's to not only understand the data, but understand what the data is describing and what the data is pretending to describe. What is the data? What is, I always look at the data, like I said, data is an evidence of activity. So if you're a C programmer, right? I always look at the data. Data isn't a point, is always a pointer to something else. And it's the physical thing that the data is pointing at that is actually most interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so it becomes, so I always look at data as a proxy. So understand not only what the data is, but what the data is describing and yeah. how, does the, how does it interact with its friends, yeah. right? Because you, you, if you, nothing lives in isolation. So the data, so I'm talking about data that describes a customer, but I don't have a customer unless they bought a product. So I have to have a sale, I have to have a product. So there's an inherent relationship and model there where the data that describes a customer has very close friends that are products and sales and other things. And how does it interact with those would be my point. And don't forget that data is always pointing at something that is real. And a lot of people, most people, especially when you're, when you're dealing in the business world, you're dealing with a lot of people that are that are the business people who want to deal with the thing and not with the data. And yet you're coming at it, dealing with the data to describe the thing. And so you have to cross that boundary. Does that make sense? Learn. It does. Yeah. You have to learn to communicate. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that becomes the basis of that communication to actually talk in the language of the thing that the data is describing rather than the language of data. Yeah. 
I would say too, you know, that it, so it sounds like, you know, throughout your career, you know, being a problem solver, finding a problem and, and just instead of like, oh, that's just always so hard, you know, you look for a solution. Right. You were, you were curious. Um, I'm hearing that theme a lot in, in data and um, from, from these podcasts, from people who are in data. Um, so it's, it's, I'd love to continue to hear that. And I, I love that you're a problem solver, Dave. <laughs> well, I, I think there's another aspect to it as well, because I would, I would suggest. Yeah. Uh, I'm an explorer as well. Right. So I, yeah. so I love, I, I love to explore things and it's the curiosity of exploration to a certain extent. And if you look at the frontiers of exploration, one of the areas of exploration now is data. Right, mm -hmm. data dis is another way that we describe our world that we can explore and ex and delve into it. So, understanding yeah. people's behaviors and understanding the uh, landscape of businesses from reading and understanding their data, I find absolutely fascinating. Me too, and it's so fun, right? We can uh, it's, you have such great examples of where you've used it. I mean, from the Olympics, you know, Disney World, right. you know, I mean, that's just so cool, right? Exactly. Exactly, mm -hmm. Olympics, Disney World, Exxon, you know, oil yeah. and gas, oil fields, uh, consumer relations, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Everybody uses data, like you said. Right. Everybody. Exactly. Everybody. <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So it's an it's something where you can cross industries, and it's it's a it's a global job. <laughs> right, and and it's surprising. You probably find this as well. Some of the, your your other uh, uh, interviewees, right, is. You, you you get to see the patterns and understand the patterns and delve into people's businesses. It's it's really quite quite enlightening. It is indeed. It's so fun. Data give me fun. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, Dave, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Uh, you know, if somebody wanted to find uh, solicit D three Clarity Services, how would they find you? So they can find us um, at d three Clarity com. Clearly, um, I, I think I'll be providing a LinkedIn uh, link as well on this. Um, I also do a podcast called Talk Tech with Data Dave. Oh, well, Dave, thank you so much for talking with us today. And I'll make sure and get those links posted on yes. the uh, podcast page so that everybody can find you, find your podcast, which is great. I highly recommend everybody check out your podcast as well. It's really a lot of fun and very informative. Oh. Yes, and we, um, just one one other thing on that. We do try and keep it super lighthearted. It's not it's not a deep, in depth anything. It's, it's super lighthearted, but very data focused. I love it. Well, Dave, thank you so much. You are very welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, and to all of our listeners out there, if you'd like to keep up to date in the latest podcasts and the latest in data management education, you may go to dataversity.net forward slash subscribe. You can find out about our conference there as well. Until next time and stay curious.